Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. It was a small town, uh, a farming community. Uh, There had been a drought for months, and the farmers were beginning to panic. They recognized that without some rain, their crops were doomed, their animals were doomed, and they just weren't sure what they were going to do. They began to panic in that small community, trying to figure out a solution, and they could come up with none. And they recognized that they're they're at the end of the rope when finally the pastor of the small community church decided that what he needed to do was call for a, a prayer service and ask God for a miraculous intervention and so that it would rain. And so he began to announce the date. They began to spread the word throughout the entire community. Show up at this community church on this particular day, and we're all going to pray for rain. And so the day came, and he opened the doors. The pastor opened the doors, and lo and behold, farmers from all over the region started pouring into that little church until the church church was packed and the pastor saw that as they begin to interact with one another and talk across the aisles and he gets a little nervous. I don't even know if I can get this crowd under control enough to pray for rain. And so he's watching them and so he begins to make his way down the center aisle and as he gets to the platform, he takes the podium, he takes the microphone and everybody's filled with anticipation and the pastor abruptly dismisses the service. And all the farmers and all the members of the community begin to to protest loudly. They begin to shout, why are you doing this, preacher? We're here to pray for rain. You promised that this was the day we were going to pray for rain. Why are you doing this now? And he said this. He said, because we said we were going to pray for rain, but nobody brought an umbrella. I want the implications of that story to sink in a moment as I remind you and bring to your attention Psalm chapter 77 verse 14 which states this. You are the God who does. Uh, NIV says performs. You are the God who does or performs miracles. You have shown people your power. Our text only emphasizes what we discover as we read from Old Testament to New Testament. We are confronted with the reality of miracles. In the, in the, it seems like every page is filled with these miracles that are taking place. In fact, in, in, in the Old Testament, there is instance after instance where God reveals his strength and his power and his authority to people in dire straits that had needs in their life. And so every page seems to be full. Pregnant with miracles over and over again in the Old Testament. Then you get to the New Testament. And in the New Testament, God begins to verify and validate his own son's ministry by allowing him to perform signs and wonders. There are miracles everywhere. Now you fast forward to our day, and so uh, it seems that every song is, that we sing is a constant assertion, or even if it's not an assertion, it is a request for a miracle. So in, 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 in a nutshell, the Bible, the book that we live our life by, And the songs by which we express our needs and our worship are all wrapped up into this idea where there's this clear understanding that we believe in and we desperately need miracles. 
It seems to be clear, and yet it seems to me that, uh, that, that we have an issue. Although our Bible states that miracles are common and everyday practices, and although we sing about miracles, it seems to me that miracles get messy when it comes to our circumstance and our situation. In fact, I want to submit to you that most of the time when we get together on Sundays like this, which it's been a while, but when we get together, as we've gotten together in the past and we're back together now and as we continue together in the future, it seems to me that our tendency is, is that what we, we have a propensity to do is this. We inform Jesus about our need, but we don't involve Jesus in our need. And so my, my cry this morning is this, God, I don't want to just sing about miracles. I don't just want to talk about miracles. I want to involve you in my need. I want to involve you in my life. I want to see you involved in the situation that I personally have. Anybody else want to involve Jesus in your life? I don't just want to inform him. I want to involve him. Amen. So I want us to learn this morning, how do we involve Jesus in our life? How, how do we involve Jesus to the degree that we begin to see miracles? take place. Three things real quick I want to teach you about miracles. Number one is this. You need to believe in miracles before you need one. Uh, see, I, see, waiting to believe for a miracle, believe in miracles until you need one is like trying to, uh, deciding to build a, a roof on a house after it started raining. It's useless, right? It's almost, it's almost, it didn't make any sense to, to wait until you need a miracle to suddenly, I now believe in miracles. You're late. You're too late. There are some of you that may say, I can do life all by myself. Well, good luck. Because what I've discovered, and those of us that have lived long enough, what we've discovered is, is we need God to intervene in our life. We need God to interrupt our life. We need God's hand active and present in our daily life. So we need to believe in miracles before we need one. You better believe before, before you need one. You better learn before you lose. You, you better figure it out that you believe in miracles. Too many of us I want to be skeptical and cynical about miracles until we are in a state of desperation and need a miracle. Can I remind you in the New Testament that the group of people that were skeptical about miracles were not the unbelievers. It was the believers, the, the, the religious leaders of the day. In fact, the Sadducees uh, had become well known for their skepticism about miracles. It was the religious leaders that didn't believe in the miracles that could take place. And I am concerned today that uh, skepticism has crept in and we have become almost like modern day Sadducees. We become skeptical and suspicious until we need a miracle. And then all of a sudden we want to go, well, we would believe. Well, we better figure it out before we need one. We better figure out that we believe in miracles before we need one. And another way for me to say that is this, is you better become convinced. You better be convinced because if you would become convinced that God is the God of miracles like the psalmist declared that he was and like he proved over and over throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, if we would become convinced that God is a God of miracles, we would walk differently than we walk right now. We, 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 you will not question God's provision of power if you're convinced. You won't doubt if you're convinced. You won't back down against any giant if you're convinced. You will approach the situation differently if you are convinced that God is the God 
of miracles. It's time to believe the proof that he's already provided in our own lives. I started thinking about my family. In my family alone, I can name many, but let me just mention too quickly that I know that God has proven that he still cares. And not only that he still cares, but he still can. Anybody believe God still can? It's not enough just to believe that he still cares. We also got to know he still can. So in my own life, I need to look back and remember the proof that he's already given me. Like for instance, there's a 22-year-old proof sitting right back there. At one year old, Julie and I watched our oldest son being laid down on the floor in a fellowship hall at a church with his eyes rolled back in his head, running over 100, he was running in a 104 degree temperature after they gave him medicine. So we don't know how hot he was when they laid him on the floor in the church. All we know is his eyes rolled back in his head and it felt like he quit breathing. And I I kneeled over my, my only son at that time and I said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And it was like he came to. And all I know is it's every day in my house, there's 22-year-old proof. It gets better with age. 22-year-old proof that God still can. All I need to do is rewind five years laying in a hospital bed, wondering whether I was dying. Probably was dying. The cardiologist looked at me and said, if you'd have waited any longer, it would have been catastrophic. On the backside of somewhere in Missouri, 45 miles away from a hospital with nowhere to turn, my head between my knees telling Julie I can't breathe. My chest hurts. My arm is tingling. All I can tell you is that God has proven over and over and over and over again. And I wonder if there are some of you that have need to go back and get the proof back out. Maybe you need to go back and, and remember. Maybe you've forgotten. Maybe you've overlooked. Maybe you've recategorized it. But I'm just asking you this morning to think back about what God has already done for you and come to the conclusion that God is the God of miracles. He is who he said he is. Pick up the proof. Pick it back up before you need a miracle. I want to involve Jesus in the needs of my life, so I need to believe for a miracle before I need one. But there's another step, too. We need to quit mislabeling miracles. I think we often conclude that the Bible days must have been much different than our days because there seem to be miracles every day. I think maybe what's happened is, and I want to submit to you, is that perhaps the issue is that we become so skeptical and so rationally minded and so suspicious and so dismissive that we are daily observing miracles that we simply mislabel. And because we mislabel them, we also mishandle them. Okay, I'm, okay, okay so just listen, just because it doesn't look like the Red Sea parting. Just because it's not as amazing as multiplying loaves and fish. Just because it's not as jaw-dropping and show-stopping as turning water into wine. Just because it's not as, as flabbergasting as, as a dead man coming out of a grave. Doesn't mean that what you just witnessed is not a miracle. I think we mislabel it. Just because it doesn't stop everything and everybody stand up and go, Oh, miracle, miracle, dry ground. There was water, now there's dry ground. I think we mislabel. Are you still married? That's a miracle. Are you still sane? That's a miracle. Uh, Are you still healthy? That's a miracle. Are you still afloat? 
That's a miracle. Are you still alive? That's a miracle. Are you still smiling? That's a miracle. Still raising your hands in worship? That's a miracle. We just mislabel it. We dismiss it. See, it isn't luck. And it wasn't some coincidence. And too many of us are mislabeling miracles, so we miss the miracle that's taking place. Perfect example. Here we go. Right in our day, right now. We mislabel. Here it is. I'm not infected. Now watch what we do. We mislabel. Because I've stayed at home. We mislabel. You're not infected because you stayed at home. Really, you're going to mislabel the miracle that way? Because I, I just got some questions for you. How do you know who's touched your mail? How do you know who's touched the groceries that you went to the store to buy? How do you know who's, who's handling your credit card when you hand it to them to pay the bill at the drive through window? How do you know who's, who's touched what? How do you know you haven't come into contact with people that are asymptomatic or maybe they've got symptoms and didn't tell you? How do you know? But we want to mislabel it. That is a miracle. If we would learn to perceive correctly, then this would cause us to label correctly. Listen, the planets didn't line up. You, you didn't, you, your ship didn't come in. You didn't, just didn't get dealt a great hand all of a sudden. Can I tell you what's been taking place in your life? God showed up. God intervened. The divine interrupted the natural. And he ordered your steps and the steps of other people around you. He shifted and he thwarted the plans of the enemy. He turned some things around and he turned some things aside. Miracles happen every day and we simply don't perceive them to be such. And so we mislabel them. Can I tell you the natural progression that takes place after that? Is if you mislabel a miracle, you will also misappropriate praise. I want that to sink in because I think we're guilty of that. If we mislabel a miracle, then we will also misappropriate praise. We want to praise social distancing. We want to praise our employer. We want to, we want to praise our physician. We want to praise our counselor. Listen, if we will get the label right, then we would get the praise right. All glory and all honor and all thanks and all credit and all my, my understanding of who made this happen goes to God and God alone. Some of us probably need to go back and have a conversation with our boss and our best friend and our doctor and we need to set up an appointment hey doctor can I come and see you I know it's difficult right now but at least would you just zoom with me so I can tell you something I just I need to apologize to you I gave you too much credit some of you need to call your best friend that you thought bailed you out when it was really God telling them to bail you out and making it possible for them to bail you out and you need to call your friend up on the phone and say hey I love you and I appreciate what you did for me but I need to apologize to you I gave you too much credit I need to reappropriate some praise. I need to reallocate some praise. I need to go back and I need to give God the portion that is due to God. And it's not that I under, underestimate your part in it, but I just recognize that every good and perfect gift comes from heaven above. And if I got blessed by you, it's because it came from there through you. And I need to reappropriate and reallocate some praise. Is there anybody in the house that would join me for just 10 seconds and give God the glory and the honor and the praise and the credit that belongs only exclusively isolated to him it was because of you God the doctors participated but it was because of you God 
And we give you praise. We give you praise. We give you praise. We give you praise. I reallocate praise. I strip praise away from people that don't deserve it. And I give it to you. It's your credit. Your honor. It's you, God. It's you and you alone that deserve the glory today. And we, we repent of mislabeling miracles and misappropriating praise today. If you're watching online, I want you to take a moment. I just want you to, you, you can do this right here in the building too, but online I want you to do this as well. Why don't you take your pen on your bulletin and, and write down a couple things that maybe you, you thought, you, you mislabeled them. You thought it was coincidence. You thought it just happened. You were just in the right place at the right time. Maybe you said it, it's not a miracle. Now that we've been to talk, begin to discuss it, you're going, you know what? That might, I need to go figure this out. That might have been a miracle. Think about it just a moment. Those online, you can put it in the comments. I mislabeled this as, a, as something else, but now I recognize it's a miracle. Come on, think about it. Think about it. What has God done in your life that's a miracle that you've mislabeled? Because if you mislabel it, you'll mishandle it. So remember, remember. And then finally, I want to say this to you this morning. If we're going to involve Jesus in our, mirror, in our, in our daily life, and if we're going to ask him for miracles, and if we're going to come to the conclusion... <clears throat> That he can do miracles. And we're going to be careful not to mislabel our miracles. Then can I tell you this morning that we need to understand. We need to comprehend this fact right here. Miracles are manifested in the messy areas of life. I want you to stop for just a second. I want you to think back over the landscape of the miracles that took place in in the word. Think about it. There's a a nation that was... uh, Set free and running from a madman in Exodus. You see those same people in the wilderness dying of thirst and starving. You think about uh, a small boy out on a battlefield that's outsized and overmatched. You fast forward into the New Testament and it's in the middle of a funeral procession. It's, 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 it's in the, uh, the, 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 the backdrop is somebody that's been sick for 12 years, somebody that's been sick for 18 years, somebody that's been sick or uh, disabled since they were born. You think about uh, the fact that it was, um, it was when a hungry crowd traveled way out into the desert to listen to a preacher and they get out there and they discover they don't have enough to eat, they're hungry. It's when the host of the party recognizes that they've run out for the wedding. Now they're embarrassed. They've run out of wine. What are we going to do? What happened after all of those scenarios? Miracles. Everyone. Can I tell you this morning that perfection is not the platform for miracles? Problems are. I'm going to say that again. Perfection is not the platform for miracles. Problems are. See, you don't need a miracle unless you're in a crisis. You don't need a miracle unless you're in trouble. Let me say it West Oklahoma style. You don't need a miracle unless you're in a pickle. Ever been in a pickle? Yeah, that's when you need a miracle. Miracles are, are, are they become possible. In the impossible arenas of our life. That's when miracles show up. So if things are messy in your life, then can I just encourage you this morning? Take courage. You're the perfect candidate. You qualify. 
You have the qualifications necessary for the God who the psalmist says is the God who performs miracles. You are first in line because you have a problem that he needs to help you take care of. See, a lot of us want a miracle. Listen. But we don't want to be in or go through anything that would require a miracle. Y'all missed it. I know this is true in my own life. I believe God does miracles. I just don't want him to have to do one. Well, what? So, so then the next thing that happens is this, is if that's how we approach miracles, I recognize that, that miracles come when I'm having trouble, when I'm in crisis, when I'm in a pickle, then, then this is what happens. I will fight my way out of the very situations that God is allowing to take place in my life rather than staying there long enough to let him show up. Okay. And then, here, here it is. If we can't get out, we will allow the circumstances that we're facing to make us so bitter or angry that we are now no longer positioned to receive a miracle. I just got right up in all of our mess right there. Some of us fight our way out, but if we can't get out, we become so angry at God, so angry at that person, so angry at what happened to us, so angry at what we endured, so bitter about what took place, and it's not fair, and it shouldn't have happened to me. I tithe every month. I go to church every week. I serve every week. I'm angry now, and our own attitude takes us out of the appropriate position to even now receive a miracle. See, one of the, the prerequisites for a miracle is this, and we don't like this word, failure. There's no need for a miracle if there's no problem. There is no need for a miracle if you have a problem that you can fix. Okay, let me stop. I didn't even intend to go here, but I see how you're looking at me, so I'm going to have to stop right here. So, so some of us are praying for miracles. We don't need a miracle we just need discipline. I need, you to, I need you to give me a miracle of my finances. No, if we would just become disciplined, we make more than enough. We just spend more than we make. If, if, if I could get a miracle in my relationship, no, you just need to quit being a jerk. And I, I need you to heal me because I prayed that one. Yeah, what you really need to do is quit going to Krispy Kreme four times a day and quit going to Bojangles every other week. So you don't need a miracle if you have a problem that you can fix. Some of us don't receive a miracle simply because we don't think we need one. But some of us think we need miracles that we don't actually need. Okay. We are convinced that God can do something that he's already given us the strength and the authority and the power to do all by ourselves. It's not that he doesn't do miracles. It's just we don't qualify. Okay, all right, so, so um, listen, the reality is this. Some of us have some situations that we cannot fix on our own. 
I'm looking across the, the congregation right now. There are people that I know in this congregation that have some situations and some circumstances that you cannot do this on your own. And what I want you to know is that you've got to get to this place in our own messy areas where we come to grips with the fact that I can't get in the water by myself. And we got to come to this place where I don't know where I'm going to go to replenish the wine for the wedding celebration. I can't suffer at the hands of another doctor, but if I can touch him, whatever he says to do it. We come to the end of ourselves, and when we get to the end of ourselves, then we are positioned for a miracle. And so if you're in one of those situations this morning, then I need you to understand that you're in the right place at the right time. See, some miracles are messy. Some marriages aren't beautiful until you live, live through the ugly. Some businesses fall apart before they succeed. Some, some dreams die before they thrive. But, but if you give up in the mess, If you give up, listen to me, if you give up in the mess, you will miss the miracle. How can you allow God to turn things around if you keep running out of the mess that you're asking him to turn around? See, hear me this morning. Some of you are so tired of the mess, but I just want to challenge you this morning and encourage you, hold on. Some of you are weary because you've been waiting. Keep waiting. Miracles are being prepared where? In our mess. And some of us are angry about the very thing that is preparing us for provision. Some of us are bitter about what is actually the doorway to our blessing. We just got to hang on. Some of y'all just need to hang on. Hang on. I just came to encourage you this morning. God is the God who performs miracles. Just stinking hang on. Don't give up. Stay right in the fight. Stay in the mess. And he'll show up. Don't get mad at the mess. Don't worry about the wait. You're one second. You're one minute closer. You're one week closer. You're one month closer. You're one year closer. For some of you, you're one decade closer. If you would just hang on, God can do the miracle. So I just want to challenge you this morning. I want us to do more than just ask for miracles. I want to show up expecting miracles. We, we, we read it. The psalmist says, and we, we amen it. You are the God who does miracles. Well, if that's true, if that's true, if that's true, if that's true, then where's your umbrella? It's time to get our umbrella. We come to church and we say, you're the God that does miracles. But nobody brought an umbrella. You're the God that that can change everything. We come and we sing about it. We pray about it. We inform Him about it. But did we come actually expecting him to do anything about it? What issue in your life do you have going on right now that you cannot fix on your own? That is the qualification right there for God to step in and do a miracle. I want you to stand with me. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.